Welcome to episode 789 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Radio team, welcome along to episode 789 of I Talk with Coach John Newsom, Bevan James Oz. How you going, mate? I'm good, Bevan, and you? Looking awfully bright today. Awfully bright. Bit of camp light jersey on. Now, was it the yellow jersey or was that just the jersey? It's just the jersey. Did you have a yellow jersey as well? Because it would have been very confusing. We did not in this particular camp, but that's a jolly good point. <laughs> you can't have a yellow jersey for the theme of the camp and then have a yellow jersey. Everyone won kicking in the mountain. It does get confusing in Tour de France with some of the teams that have yellow jerseys. I agree. Oh, yeah. That should be a rule that you can't have a yellow jersey. Mm. It seems like 101. Mm. Yeah. I'm is proudly brought to you by our fantastic patrons. Including the mighty Rob Flynn. Brian Hellraiser Hagen, Jennifer Triple Jump Edwards, and uh, that, if you want to become a patron, show, go dip, 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 I am talk to me. Uh, this week's show, we've got some news, we've got a hot topic of the week, we've got an interview. Oh, high five! We have oh. just a random high five based around the weather bomb that hit the 70.3 world champs this weekend. Uh, I've got an interview that I did on my podcast with a game called Cam. Now, I think it's Calcoon, I think it's Calcoon, I think it is. Uh, great interview, you uh, hmm. tell what. Absolutely mind-blowing stuff. Just awesome. I'll talk about it later on. Uh, we've saw the week. Wanger of the week. Questions and answers at the end. John, but let's get into the news. We had the 70.3 World Championships happen over the weekend. And I'm going to be honest, I totally forgot they were on. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've got to admit, they did do a very good job in terms of social media. They were pumping out a lot of stuff. It's in, of it. in light of, you know, the, what the PTO does. So they, they were cranking it out there. Um, but... Well, it was it was definitely World Championships for the the pros. I'm not sure how many people travelled in terms of age groupers, but it was pretty good racing. Not everybody rocked up that we thought was on the was on the start list. So, female fe- female side, that, that's, rock that, solid. That, yeah, that's as good as you're going to get, isn't I it? I don't. Yeah, you know, of course, there's a few people not there, but you know, when you've got Daniela Reef, Lucy Charles, Taylor Nib, who are probably the three big hitters there, you haven't got um, Anne Howe because she's probably the one really notable omission. Um, f- a few others, but still. This is a quality woman's field. So what about Lucy Charles Barkley? A, at that race, nearly an eight-minute win, that is convincing. Absolutely crushing. So if we've seen Danielle Reef win by close to that sort of margin. She won the swim bike run. Eight minutes. She absolutely crushed it. and She won the swim by at least two minutes. She won the bike by, it looks like, about another two or three minutes. And then she won the run by about two minutes. And that's probably the, the, the one th- takeaway from this. We know she's always going to win the swim by that amount. Um, her biking certainly looks like it's stepped up a level. Far and, out, yeah. And we saw in the, when she did the IT or the World Triathlon race in Yorkshire that her run is really looks like it's gone up a notch. Uh, so she had the complete performance, probably the best performance of her life against a quality series of opposition you know it's a funny old season everybody's at slightly different places but hey it's the world champs everyone's had equal okay so, what, so what's the story of Daniela? Daniela Reef. well she was storming up the field and she rode herself up to third place and it looked like it was going to be a typical Daniela Reef performance you know a little bit off in the swim come storming through on the bike and then a good strong competitive run but she kind of stalled so she got up to third and she was just behind Taylor Nib. Didn't manage to bridge that gap and then uh, detonated. So it sounds like her health is not great. But at the same time, we've got to remember, she had an Ironman two weeks ago as well. 
So I think there's a combination of things. We don't want to go riding her quite off yet because um, against a similar opposition, not Lucy Charles earlier this year, I'm just looking back to when she raced in St George um, back in May, and when she did that race then, she won by nearly five minutes over most of the same athletes, you know, second place was Jenny Metzer, Emma Pallant-Brown was there, Paula Finlay, Sky Monch, Holly Lawrence, so if you take out Lucy Charles, then it was pretty similar, so uh, don't, don't write her off. Cracks. Like, I, I know, like Harold Senior. Oh, she's definitely t- towards the end of her career, but... Yeah, but so, like, are we seeing, she's, oh, she's only 34. Yeah, but in, in athletic I know, age, yeah, she's I know you say old. that, but females go forever. Mm, but, um, yeah, I think she's nearing the end, but I'm certainly not writing her off. Uh, she's just we losing We're asking a different version of her at the moment. Now, it might be she's consistently sick, and there might be deeper mm. things, um, but we are not seeing, you know, the Daniela of two years ago just cracked everyone and everything. Mm. And, and, and we've seen some performances recently which just haven't been on par of the standard she normally delivers at. And is it that she's overloaded? Is it maybe a little bit of sickness? Or are we just seeing that first kind of crack in the top level? Now, again, like if, if you're a betting man... You're probably still going to put your money on her if, if Kona is happening in a few weeks from now. So, yeah, I, I definitely agree that there's a few little chinks, but when you look at her record this year, okay, she bombed out there and she bombed out the Collins Cup when she was sick. Every other race she's done, she's won and have done it in, so in very convincing fashion. So that included Ironman Tulsa, St George against a quality field, Ironman Switzerland. wasn't a quality field, but she still absolutely crushed it. You look at last year, she won every single race she did except for Hawaii when she, she bombed out. The year before, won every single race. So I uh, don't think we want to ride her off yet, but there is if those. It's not like Frodo who doesn't seem to have a chink in his armour. She's now got a couple it, of chinks. Because there's your athletic age argument there. Frodo's 40. Mm, yep. Yep. He is an outlier. Well, and I imagine she's going to be as well. Who knows? If I'm a betting person, I still think she's got some Kona wins in front of her. If I'm a betting person, I'm putting my money on Lucy Charles because with that performance, even if Daniela had been at her best, I think it would have been close, but I think Lucy awesome. Charles would have uh, probably taken that because uh, mainly off the back of that run. I, was, I, I did not watch a lot of the coverage. I fast-forwarded and probably watched was a total good? of maybe 10 to 15 minutes in total, just sort okay. of fast-forwarding through. saw Jenny Metzler on the run thinking, holy crap, she is just tearing up this run course didn't really see any of Lucy Charles on the run and Lucy Charles put a minute and a half into her very impressive Taylor Nibs whilst she got third and a lot of people were picking her for the for the win that's still bloody impressive she has done so much racing in the last uh, eight weeks Uh, she's still you know the real deal Uh, and all the the other contenders you thought would do well Kat Matthews again showing she's um, not just a one trick pony with, with iron distance racing she had a good Collins Cup, and she's shown here she's good over the half distance. Emma Pallant Brown's always there or thereabouts, and, and all the others were, were solid as well. So Daniela Reef ended up in 11th place. So first was Lucy Charles, eight minutes back to Jenny Metzler, who just caught Taylor Nib towards the end of the run, only 11 seconds in it. Then a, then a couple of minutes back to Kat Matthews, Emma Pallant, Sky Munch, Jackie Herring, Holly Lawrence, Nikki Bartlett, and Reichman was in 10th place. It's one of those, Lucy's performance is one of those, you know, you look back and go, that's just a rock star performance, isn't it? Because that yeah. is a swim bike run at its best, mm, isn't it? Absolutely. Dominating all three of them. Absolutely awesome. Okay, so then it doesn't, it's a pity Kona's not happening, isn't it? Mm. It's, you yeah. know, because, because as you're saying, now Lucy, Lucy's still quite young. How old is Lucy? 
she's young and athletically a triathlon, she's still only, you know, four or five years into her career. She's so 28. She's still got um, a good few years in front of her, but every year that's one less crack you get at Kona. And, uh, you know, we see some athletes like Daniela Reef and Frodo who are able to maintain that high level for years and years. Others get there and can only hold it for a couple of years. So, But the thing about her is we've seen constant progress. Hmm. You know, like at first she was always a pretty awesome swimmer, you know, good biker, not not so strong in the run. So cycling has become a real rock star cyclist. And now the run. Oh, it's a weapon of a run. You know, and she's like, the gain she's made in her run in the last kind of 18 months. Look, I'm just looking at her time compared to the guys. You know, Gustav Eden ran a 111, so she's seven minutes behind them. Most of the other guys are running 113 to 114, 115. Um, so she's running very close to the guys. Sam Appleton in ninth place ran a 116. Philippe Azevedo in tenth ran a 115. That's pretty, pretty bloody solid. Okay, so let's look at the men's race. Gustav Eden, uh, kind of the same, just one swim bike run really, didn't he? He, won well, he wasn't first out of no, the swim, no, wasn't swim um, but, but he broke away on the bike and then it was kind of, see you later. this is race over because <laughs> he's almost definitely the fastest runner in the field. Uh, so that it was highly unlikely and a massive victory again, four minutes over Sam Long. So Gustav Eden, he was 15th out of the swim. He took a bit of a blow, it sounded like he took a really heavy blow to his ribs to the extent that he thought he might have had broken ribs um, after the race. Uh, he rode a 158.58 on a fast but tricky course, and that was, you know, put that in perspective, is just under two minutes quicker than Sam Long, who's a, a weapon on the bike. And then he ran a 111.31 for a 3.37.12. So he was the defending champ, wasn't he? Because we didn't yes. have it last year, did we? So yeah. in 2019, he won it as well. Um, so And he won Challenge... Daytona, was it Daytona? Yeah, Daytona, 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 Daytona last year. Or Miami. Yep. Um, I think it was it was definitely Daytona because he wasn't at Miami. Uh, so yeah, just the he's the a real, real deal, deal, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, Sam Long, awesome race by him to get second, and you know when he had a, a a better than normal swim, he was only two minutes sort of down on the the main contenders, which is actually really good for him. Good bike uh, and managed to ride up to the the leaders and then had a few to run down on the run uh, so good on him Daniel Backengard uh, said he didn't have a great race but still finished in third so uh, that was awesome no, his Danish mate um, was in fourth Mickey Tagholt Jackson Laundry fifth Ben Canute sixth after leading early Eric Lagerstrom seventh Magnus Ditlev eighth Sam Appleton ninth and Philippe Azevedo in tenth so I think the, the main things out of the race were um Sanders didn't didn't rock yeah, up, but he, but he put that out before the race. He Reasons? Said, well, his rationale was, A, he's been racing heaps. Yeah. He's got more Ironmans that he wants to do. And his rationale, which Sam Long kind, Long kind of proved wrong, said it's highly likely at this race you're going to get the swimmers get away and there's going to be a group and none of the bikers will have enough strength to actually ride through and it'll be race over. So he, he kind of rationalised that he was going to be out of the contention for the win uh, and he'd rather focus on other things. So he wasn't sort of quitting, but he wanted to focus on other things a but bit It's more. really interesting he made that choice. And, and, and I, I couldn't kind of, you know, I'm not, I'm not being critical of him making that choice because you're an athlete, you've got to make choices. But the one thing he's seeking is a world championship. Hmm. You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, if you watch that PTO documentary they did, <laughs> when, when, uh, uh where was it? Um, Keenley, when Keenley said, Oh, yeah, Sanders is a good athlete, but he ain't got a world championship. You should have saw how pissed off he got, man. Yeah. He was fuming. Yeah. And it was really entertaining. And it's like, he's, you know, his highest chance of winning a world championship is 70.3. 
and it was highly unlikely that he could beat Gustav Eden on there. So, you know, he beat Sam Long on the same course with a very close finish earlier this year. So in theory, you say, hey, you could have got a second. But, um, you know, but the way he was going after racing all those events back to back, don't think he was in condition. So I think it was the right decision to make. Yeah, and again, I'm not being critical of him because I totally get it. But had had he not had all those racing in his legs, then it might be a, a totally different story. And, and also, if he's in the field, you never know the difference, you know, mm. the difference of things that happen. But um, it was a shame. Apparently, the weather was absolutely crazy. Oh, my goodness. So, I, again, I didn't watch the whole coverage, but sort of fast forwarded a whole heap and I was on the run and I thought, oh, it looks really wet there. And then I saw some of the footage afterwards and this massive weather bomb came through. Pros were on the run, but it sounded like they pulled a lot of people out of the swim, and you saw the wind blowing like signs were just blowing oh, everywhere. Really? It would have been horrendous on the bike. Uh, so hopefully, if you guys were out there racing, you all got in safe. Um, but it looked extremely rough. Okay, we also had uh, Ironman Austria happen, and Laura Phillip in the female race absolutely dominated the dojo eight thirty five. <laughs> Second place getter was 9.20. We're talking about 20-minute domination. That is caning. <laughs> Absolute caning. Uh, it was a great time by her. Now, we know that Austria has got always got a question mark next to it, which were the distances, but still. She swam 54. She rode a 450. She rode a 244. Ran a 244. Ran a 244 for an 8.35.32. Even if it's a bit short, that's a long way under nine hours. Ran a, ran a 2.44. Yeah. A female athlete running that fast. Unbelievable. Awesome. So she's had, so far, she didn't really race last season. She went to Challenge Day, or she raced Challenge Daytona, got third there, which is awesome. Um, this, this year, she's won Ironman Fifth Switzerland. She's won uh, 70.3 Zalemse, and now she's won Ironman Austria. So that's a pretty solid, and all that within about five weeks. So she, she raced an Ironman, you know, 15th of August, 29th of August to 70.3 and 19th of September are full. So good on her. And yeah, she is the business. Uh, second and third? <clears throat> second was Katerina Goldman and third, Gabriella Obman. <laughs> Such a generation. Men's race looks pretty exciting. Uh, Denver Shevrit took it out, uh, but only by about 20 seconds and he ran him down. So it ran a 235. Ran down Rasmus, I'm going to say... Svensson. Svenningson. Svenningson. Um, to win by just about you know 20 seconds, really. And so that, to put that run in perspective, Laura Phillips' time was only beaten by... Oh, no, there's a couple of males. Uh, Denny Chevro ran 235. There was quite a few other guys that ran 245, 246. So, I mean, without being harsh, the run's definitely short there. <laughs> How short? I haven't really checked it out. But again, it's late season racing. Weather's a bit cooler, so you're going to expect to see um, fast times. Denny Chevrolet took it out, 7.51.08. Uh, Rasmus Svenningsen second, 7.51.33. And Arnold Guillaume uh, in third, with also with a sub-8 performance, with a 7.58. Okay, some other news that happened over the weekend was that at the press conference for the 70.3 World Championships, Andrew Messick did kind of say they're exploring all options for the World Championships race to not be raced in Kona in 2022, or at least in the first part of the year, the race that's going in February. Uh, they're saying that logistically, and with, with the Delta variant, that it's really hard to see Kona happening, and they aren't closing the door to closing the race off, that they will be looking at other options. Based on the article, what they're kind of saying is they're exploring different states and seeing how they can make that work. So it's all up in the air right now. There's nothing mm-hmm. confirmed, but they are saying they are exploring different options. Yeah, kind of. They've got to, don't they? Oh, yeah, totally agree that they've got to. 
kind of think they dropped the ball a bit here. Don't want to be too critical because it's bloody hard in this environment. But most people thought February ain't happening. That's that's not happening. So Do you mean earlier this year or next year? When they made the announcement that it wasn't going to be in October, most people were thinking, myself included, February ain't happening. No. So why not to make the call early and just take the world champs to somewhere else? When did the Delta anyway, variant become a bigger problem? Like when did we kind of go October? Actually, it's been quite recent, hasn't it? No, it was it was a fair while ago. But you, well, you didn't think too late. <laughs> <laughs> you were like, it's gonna eat. Yeah, true. Anyway, we'll maybe talk about that a bit more in the discussion of the week uh, in terms of what uh, other people thought, uh, you know, think if they move the world champs, whether that's a good idea or not. Yeah, because, well, it, well, it has to happen. I don't think you can confirm Kona now, can you? Sorry, for for February. No. It has to go somewhere else. Yeah. So they have to have world championships. Yeah, but then you're having a 2021 world championships in 2022. Yeah, but it's like the Olympics. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, it, but then you have two world champs in one year. Yeah, I know. But looking back at history, we're going to be forgiving of this moment, aren't mm. we? You're not going to go because it's like they cocked up. It's going to go. It's just a strange time. Because when you think about if it doesn't happen in February and they don't have a world championships, someone like a Frodo, that might be his last chance. Mm-hmm. Now, again, Frodo seems to be like an absolute robot. Mm. But at the same time, you know, who is who is this period hurt the most? Well, you might say Frodo. And Danielle Reef. Yeah, because Frodo, he's won three world championships. Mm-hmm. You know, for him, you know, if he, could, he potentially could have five through this period, and you'd argue he would. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, so like, and then maybe another year. You who know. knows? Patrick Langer might win another couple as well. Well, based on your, your backing of him. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's talk about... Well, what Ironman also announced that there's going to be two new events in the 2022 calendar. They're going to be adding in an Ironman in Pays d'Aix-en-Provence, which is in sort of the south of France. Beautiful area, so that's great. And they've also announced a 70.3 in Germany, but always good to see... Ironman's popping up in different parts of the world and you guys in Europe are so lucky to have so many choices. Hopefully you appreciate it, you know. Down here, we got to choose between Topo or going overseas. And you guys, I know it's still overseas when you've got to fly somewhere, but it's pretty easy to get to places. So hopefully you guys appreciate it. Okay, we've got some other races coming up. Chattanooga is happening. Ben Hoffman. Now, Ben Hoffman was a name for a while there. It was like, you know, top three Tacona kind of guy. Yeah, he's, 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 but he hasn't done a lot in a while. No, but he's he's a, he's not a good seventy point three athlete, which is and so he never shows up in the yep. in any of the seventy point three events. And he's always the reason you don't hear about him a lot. He's often not the guy who's off the front. He's often running through picking up the dregs. Yeah, but, but there was a moment where he was winning some big races. We oh just yeah. he just recently mm-hmm. not the same level. Well, let's just. Back that truck up. Okay, let's, let's, let's go to let's go let's go to PTO. I love the stats.protriathletes.org because you just go in there and if Bevan's talking a bit of crap, you can go, hey Bevan, you're talking out your ass. Okay, well I, I, I try to talk out my mouth, not my ass, but you know, yeah. like that's what we do. Okay, Ben Hoffman, here we go. So he got first in South Africa in 2019. He's yep. won South Africa a few times. He got a ninth in Hawaii in 2017, fourth in 2016. Okay, so that was that moment I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Where he's turned up to Hawaii, he gets a podium, or you know, Hawaii is a top five podium. You know, around that moment, you think, this guy's a real deal. Since then, he's won South Africa in 2019, second in Florida, fourth, fourth in, Hawaii. in Hawaii. And then since then, well, he hasn't really raced, has he? In fairness yeah. to him. Yeah, so I think, I think you're being a bit harsh on Ben Hoffman. He's had some kids okay. as well. Yeah, fair enough. Yep. Um, but yeah, he hasn't done an Ironman this year. He did Challenge Miami, finished 17th. 70.3, uh, George. George, finished 21st. And yeah, last year, Challenge Daytona. So since November 2nd, 2019, 
like a lot of people, hasn't done, hasn't a, lot, done a great job. Hasn't raced a lot either. Uh, Maybe he's just tape. He's just getting ready. Who else are we looking at for this? We got Sam Long, but he raced last weekend. Yeah, so that's the thing. It's, this race is on this weekend, but who the hell knows who's racing? Hoffman's down, Sam Long's down, Cody Beal's down, Michael Weiss, but Lionel Sanders. Now, Lionel Sanders did say he was going to race uh, an event. I think he said he was going to do Chattanooga, and then I think he said he was going to back up and do um, the one in California as well. So we'll see. Who knows? He has qualified, hasn't he? He has now. Yeah. But he's still. his point was he's still got to master this by the iron distance race, so I think he's going to use these events as testing different things and uh, getting himself ready for next year. Okay, John's ITU oh, update. Hold on, on oh. the female side. Oh, sorry. Again, really hard to tell. Most of these athletes raced last weekend. You've got Carrie Lester, Sky Monch, Heather Jackson, Lindsay Corbin. Who knows who's going to rock out? Who even knows these things? Okay, the next question we have is John's I, oh, any oh, other, no. long distance. Yep, there's quite a few um, non, <laughs> non you are getting ahead of yourself. <laughs> quite a few non-branded races happening this weekend, and we're heading over to France. There's a race there, the International International de Deauville, which was up in northern France, and Mallorca 140.6, the Alps Man, which would be awesome down in Annecy in France, and the His. Hispana Man and the Alba Man in Italy. Oh, John's idea. We had the Super League happen over the weekend, and my theory that the shoot needs to go seems to be what you're thinking. It's. I think it's become everyone's theory. Hopefully, but well, I was first. I, I, I said first. <laughs> I'm blaming it. So I won't won't spoil the results again. It's worth watching, even if you kind of know who you think wins. It's great racing. Um, as Ben said, it's time to get rid of the short shoot again. Luckily, it didn't quite spoil the result. But it very nearly could have done. Really? Um, and I, I, I haven't seen this one. My gut feeling is everything's going into the final race on the, the men's side. The women's side probably all sewn up. But there's a pretty high chance that the short shoot could decide the whole series. Yeah. Um, because going into the final series, you've got Brownlee, Hayden Wilde and Yee who are all separated by one championship point in the series. So whoever wins kind of depends who gets second and third. I'm not quite sure where Vincent Louis is, um, whether he's still got a chance of being so in the So there's kind of four people who can win the men's. Yeah. And the, the, the structure of this next race, it's in Malibu. Uh, it's an elimination race. So you've got three separate triathlons. So it's not back-to-back. And that's where, with these back-to-back races, that's where you start to see separation. So the enduro format, you find that the best triathlete wins. Okay. Because, you know, it's a, it's a bit of endurance test. You've got to get everything right. With these short, sharp ones, where it's a swim, bike, run, and then the, the way they're doing the eliminations in this event is they're going to do one elimination after the bike, two after the first lap of the run and two after the second lap of the run or at the finish line. So you lose five people each race. So the last race will come down to... How many races are there? Three. Three. So the last race will come down to 10 people. The, the thing and, and, the, and, and basically the winner is the winner who wins the last race. Well, no, it's a points. So you points. win points for each race. Oh, no, the winner is for this, this particular event is the first across the line. And then the series points. But wait, the first cross run in the last race. Correct. Okay, so no, the, the first two races, you're just making sure you don't lose. Exactly. And, and so it's not in these races, fun. the cream rises to the top yeah. relatively comfortably. They're not going to be at the back of the field, are They're they? They're not going to be getting yeah. eliminated. So uh, basically, if, if I'm Hayden Wild, it's, you know, don't worry about first two races. Get, mm-hmm. Make sure I'm not last. This is the one place where the short shoot probably could would be effective, yeah, yeah. and that's the, the problem. Is um, you're kind of watching a losers race in the first two, aren't you? Yeah, but it's highly likely that Vincent Louis is going to get the short shoot 
in the first race because he's the best swimmer and he's normally through transition first. So he's going to get one there. And then there's another one, I think, at the end of the bike in the first race. Okay. So there is that motivation to slam the first race to try to be that first off the bike, which is what Hayden Wilde did to, yeah, a couple in, weeks ago. in London. Yeah. Um, but yeah, could decide it, which I think is really unfortunate. And the other thing with these shorter ones is it probably plays in the likes of Hayden Wilde and Alex Yee's hands a little bit because in the um, enduro format often and it didn't happen last weekend but sometimes you get that group that breaks away and can pull away and then eliminate the guys that are weaker swimmers yep. and it didn't happen last weekend but there's a risk of that that happening uh, so I think the shorter format perhaps favours uh, the, the likes because they don't get the gap put on them in the swim yeah okay. and uh, so anyway it's still fantastic racing it's just a, now I don't think you, in the men's race the short shoot didn't influence the final no but it was I'm not going to spoil it but it very nearly could have done. Okay. You know, the person who had the short shoot ended up blowing up in the last round, last uh, swim bike run. If he hadn't, then, yeah. So it, it's, it's, it hasn't quite decided any of the races. Well, the problem is it just hasn't been needed. No. And, and, and if anything, in the two races I've seen, in both times, it, it was a, a killjoy. Yes. Because you're kind of, you're building up to this moment where these you know, oh my god, it's gonna be a sprint finish. No, one guy gets a short shoot. Mm. You know, and so it, it kills what potential. And, and whereas the race that happened last weekend, because the guy who blew up mm. wasn't a part of it, the ending was phenomenal. Mm. So, time to get rid of the short shoot. Do you think I they'll think, do it before the race? Don't think so. They're kind of committed to it, and it's a talking point. But I think, hopefully, I think I, I doubt the athletes want it. I remember Vincent Louis saying after the race the weekend before, he's like. I almost didn't take the short shoot because I wanted to win it fair yeah, and square against yeah. Johnny Brownlee. So I think the athlete voice will probably be pretty strong as well. Um, well, that's the problem because the two things we're talking about is how this is awesome racing and how the short shoot's a problem. So my thoughts with the short shoot where it might work, and so I, I kind of like the idea a little bit. Uh, yeah, because what you're saying is that ultimately we want to reward a bit of a challenge early on before the peak moment. But I reckon you'd have to take it straight away. So if you, oh, get, okay. if you come out of the swim and you're first across the line out of transition, then you get to take the but short shoot. But then there's no benefit because then you're just going to get caught up on the bike anyway. But you get it might mean you get a kilometre of cruisy riding and so that's that small energy gain okay. but it's probably not going to be a decider but you get a tiny advantage. What if they went like the first five people out of the swim? Got the yeah. short shoot. So then you get a pack. Yeah, I'm not so sure on that. I don't know. I, I, think, I, I think the easiest thing is to get rid of it. If you're going to keep it, I think my suggestion's better. Okay. Oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> surprise, surprise. Uh, we also did have a. I didn't, I didn't the females race this. a bit of a disaster. The fe wasn't it? females race um, was somewhat predictable. It was a bit of a breakaway, and the short shoot here, again, could have potentially deci decided the race. Somebody had a mishap, so it didn't end up being a deciding factor. And then there was all sorts of other controversy. Uh, so just go and watch it. Will you watch the next one live? What time of day is it? I would do. However, I'm race directing. Uh. But time-wise for New Zealanders, if you're not doing the JD on this weekend on Sunday, get on. It's a really good time. I think it, I think it's like 9.30 or 10.30 Sunday morning. I'm Dog. commentating at the Dog Marathon. Right. Yeah. Right, very good. Yeah. Have fun at that. Yeah. But you know what? It's a good little race. I, I really enjoy it. Mm. Um, okay. Also, we yeah, have... World that? Triathlon Series in Hamburg. And I so do is it. the Triathlon Series at level two? No. Because the Hamburg Girl won. Oh, no, she got second, no this, she? Is, this is this is the, the top level. This is World Triathlon Series in Hamburg. The 2022 season has started in 2021. What's happening in our world, John? <laughs> what is happening? I was like, oh, that's a bit odd. Because they've already Because when I saw it won, and I don't disregard the girl who... She, did you a Kiwi girl Nicole win? Nicole Vanderkay got second. She got second. 
I just assumed it was like a what's the level two now? World Cup. World Cup. I just assumed it was a World Cup, and so um, I shall explain. Okay, where you go. So this was the first round of the 2022 World Triathlon Series. It was in Hamburg. It was sprint distance. Now the reason it's part of the next year's series is because they've already had the grand final and everything like that for this year. Uh, and so is that because of the Olympic year? Uh, it's just the way the season. All, all the right. Hamburg is normally in July. It got pushed back to now. Okay. It's just it's just a messy kind of thing going on this season. Uh, so anyway, it's part of the 2022 series. It is a World Triathlon series, top level event. However, it was of like a World Cup standard field. Now okay. our Kiwi girl, she had the race for her life, and for her to get second at a World Cup type event is still thing. outstanding. So she, I'm not taking anything away from her because she did awesome. But all the top athletes are either not racing or at Super Yeah, because you look at the men's field, I don't know any of those names. Yeah, so again, same thing on the men's field. That's a really good World Cup field, um, but it's not a World Championship Series oh, field. So why are they called a World Championship race? Because they'd already had it planned in place, and it was supposed to be held in July. So why did no one turn up? In August, because they're all at Super League. Uh. And um, yeah, that was the but main it's reason. It's amazing were... no one sneakily thought, well, let's set up next year and not do Super League. Hmm. I mean, you probably make. You probably make. I'm not sure if you're making more money at Super League, but I think they're probably already committed to Super League early in the piece. Want to see that do well? They'll have enough opportunities to get World Series points. How many races are in the World Series? Oh, that bloody changes all the time as well. <laughs> There's normally about six or seven, but who knows how they're going to structure next season? Okay. So men's and females. Men's side. It was a sprint finish and. Tim Helwig, who I've never heard of before, he took it out in front of um, Paul Gothiam from France and Leo Bergier. And so Leo Bergier is a quality athlete and so is Surratt, who was down in fifth. So it was a good field, um, but not your standard sort of field. And the females? And then on the female side, uh, Laura Lindemann took that out in front of Nicole Vanderkey, our fantastic Kiwi, and Summer Rappaport. So you've got two females there, Laura Lindemann and Summer Rappaport, who are consistently you know in the top five on their day on the world triathlon series so they're legit but again the rest of the field you know you've got alice beto in there who down in eighth kirsten casper in seventh so this it's a really good field but not the top level okay guys let's go into this week's discussion this week's discussion is let me just pull it up on facebook right now yeah. if ironman had organized the world championships for pros to be on the same weekend as kona which uh, that which was due to be held would it still have the same appeal for you do you think it might have felt hollow victory for the pros so you're basically saying where age group age groupers didn't turn up no i'm saying if they'd said if kona they said it's not happening in october instead we're going to go and take it to oh, that's right Somewhere arizona else. and you race there and this is the world professional championships for 2021 okay john muncie's coming saying he's saying 100 yes uh as many have committed the ironman world championships is one of the few sporting events where the location of the course is fixed a golf open the open golf tournament rotates every year and the cycling world champs and of course profile changes every year too. The only unique selling point that Ironman has is that it's the world's champs are race exclusively each year in Kona, even if the original was in Oha. Oh Oh, uh, geez, you just, I've just completely forgotten how you pronounce it. Oh, uh, Oahu. Oahu. Mm. I suspect that Ironman's decision not to hold this year's at, uh, at a alternative location is simply to protect the USP and not to value it as the long distance races, long distance triathlon most weekends of the year in many countries. But there is only one Kona. Does the fact that the seventy point three a long one yeah. to read out first, yeah, seventy point three uh, location varies each year devalue the title? Not for me, it doesn't, and I'm sure not for the winners either. We've got to create a limit on this. Three sentences. Oh, really? Uh, Marcel Van Campton. No, Kona is king. 
Well, Kerry, I'm going to say Dwell, uh, has got here that one of the Lionel Sanders' recent YouTube clips suggested a bunch of pros are considering the Ironman California their unofficial world championship. That doesn't work. I know, but I, I saw that clip as well. So a lot of them are going to rock up and, yeah, you might have a quality field, but it's not called the world championships. It's not the world championships. Yeah, because so what, if, what if... Bragging rights don't count for What if Fredo doesn't turn up? Yeah. You know, you've got to get... Yeah, that's the thing. Uh, Swanee Noah's got definitely would watch. Who cares about the venue? Yes, Hawaii is iconic, but so is the title. Robert Boom Boom Bealan says, yes, same appeal, almost. No, I believe it still counts for the pros. Ironman can still grab the bull by the horns and organise something. I'll do another one because Bevan's first one was uh, epic. Uh, Petro Aka, uh, it wouldn't matter where it was for me. Get the distance accurate, throw in some climbs on the bike and rolling lumpy run to make it really challenging. Paul Williams has got, if it was a um, competitively thin field, it would feel like a hollow victory and it might look back, be back upon like Tinley's 1985 win. For those who don't know, they ran two Konas that year. The pros protested because they weren't paying money. Good old Tinley mm. <laughs> said, oh, screw it, I'll take the title. Went along and got the title. He won twice, didn't he? Uh, yeah, he did I win another so. one, didn't he? Yeah. Yep. Uh, by not putting on a pro-only world championship race at an alternative location for two straight years really shows the value of the world triathlon a WTC, it's not even that now, it's just Ironman, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, have with the pro competitors. Um, I'll skip up a couple. Neil Hastings, I don't see why the world Ironman champs has to be someone who can just see out the heat in Kona apart from this nostalgia to make it fair. They should hold it on different continents every year in different climates. Paul Fitzpatrick's got, surely if the field is there and the conditions are the same for everyone, it is valid. Uh, just because it couldn't be on the same course is relevant to, is to, to the title. As someone pointed out, Kona seems one of the few events that is the same time every year. Surely this means favours the same athletes every year. Every, even cycling has world championships in different locations and other different terrain. The traditionalists will stick to this Kona mythology, just need to relax and go with the times. The last one I'll do, Mike Canning, the Ironman World Champs in Kona are unique. Aside from the four Grand Slams in tennis, I can't think of another sport where the venue is the same each year uh, year in. Uh, it would have been interesting to see those athletes that find the heat and the wind and non-wetsuit swim tricky perform, but they always have to be having asterisks next to the winners' names in the record books. Daryl Red's got, if there was a strong field, I'd be more interested to see if the different location even covers different contenders. Let's be honest, Kona favours a few. They would still be at the front under different conditions, or would they still be at the front under different conditions? Who knows, but it would be great to find out. i, I got to agree with that one. You know, like, I, I get it. I Kona's. love the nostalgia of yeah, Kona. Yeah, I get it, and, you know, the gods, <laughs> and all that <laughs> kind of stuff. But it would be cool just to see and this is the opportunity. Like, we're going back to Kona. Mm. Kona's happened for the next 50 years. But it's kind of a cool opportunity to, just to see. I agree. Um, I, I, the, what I like about Kona is, yeah, the nostalgia, the history. And the, history. And the course means that things do split up quite a bit. Yep. And so my fear is if you go somewhere else, that you're just going to end up with... The, I mean, Kona's a big pack ride for a little, big part of the ride anyway. But if you go somewhere else where you haven't got the heat and the wind and everything to, to but blow they can things put some to shreds, yeah, but it's not quite, I don't think it'd quite be the same. So I, I think it's a bit of a watershed moment where I think a change would be good, but then my heartstrings are going, oh, I really do like Kona and how it does, you just see these explosions out there. So I think the thing I'd say is if they go and put it somewhere where the course is pretty flat. Like a Florida. It's going to be a debacle. Well, they can't, can they? Surely they're clever enough to go, if we're going to move it, let's move it somewhere interesting and challenging. Yeah. And so if you did like a St. George course or somewhere like yeah. that, um, it would be great. Anywhere that's not um, significantly hills, then I'm with really you. wasting your time. You know, like as, 
as an age grouper, going to Kona is such a special thing. And and A, because of just the history of the race and just everything about it and having the pros there on a date, like we, we never want to lose that. It is the golden ticket for our sport and it needs to stay. In this strange moment we live in, we need to go somewhere else. Mm. And, and it would be but quite cool. What about beyond that though? Oh, I don't think you can. Mm. I don't think you can. I, I just think... It's that thing of when you when you tell somebody you do Ironman, they go, oh, if you don't know who I am, man. Hmm. You know, we, we've been talking recently about what's PTO's doing and, and with the Collins Cup and how do we make it a um, triathlon p- pros have their everyday name. Well, the thing that, Joe, you know, most people who know the public know anything about triathlon is they know probably the Olympics and they know Hawaii. Mm-hmm. And so I think that long term you can't. I, I get that, unfortunately, some athletes – will never go down as rock stars because it's in the wrong location for them. Mm. You know, and that's unfortunate. And I do get it's probably not the most fairest thing to do um, because there would be other athletes on other courses which would do much before much at a much higher level. Like Melinda's a good example of it. Mm-hmm. He never really handled it. And he got there once. Mm-hmm. And he, he talked about how it was more a sense of relief. Mm. You know, I finally cracked it. But he was never going to perform in Kona amazingly because it just didn't work as, with his heat. So, so I get it. But all sport needs its history. Mm. You know, but it's just in this moment, it'd be really cool to see something else. Mm. And it kind of leads into this week's question. So, what we've got here is if Ironman does not hold the 21 World Championships in Kona in February, what should they do? So, we're kind of looking, you know, if you are Ironman at this moment, what are you going to do if we go, February's not happening? They never, they, they need to confirm a date pretty quickly. Yep. What's your, oh, we'll maybe discuss this next week. I've got my thoughts already. Well, just for me with the date, it's like, because the pros need to plan. Mm. And February's like, Gonna come around really soon, mm. you know. So they need You're to very limited with what you can do, though, because you go to Kona in February, that's fine. It's kind of not fine because it's really hard to get into there in February. But then it might be different next year. Where can you go? You're not going to put it in New Zealand. You can possibly go to Australia, possibly not. But well, that's about your only options. So is it anywhere in the states? Because it was interesting listening to if you read the article. He kind of talked about you know we need to work with the different states. Mm. So it definitely seems like. At least they're thinking America. Yeah, I'd be thinking St. George would be good, and I think in, in that's May, what time of year? In May time. Oh, so you're saying you could do it later? Well, yeah, there's nowhere in the States where you can have in February. Maybe oh. somewhere in California, potentially, or you, Florida. If you go to Florida, you're going to need a pretty Pancake, good venue, yeah. not, not Ironman Florida. Um, so, but they haven't got any races at the moment in America. Normally, the first race, full distance race, would be about May time, I think. It does go back to someone commented about how. It really shows how um, Ironman really looks at pros. Because realistically, they probably should have been thinking about this early in the year. And they should have gone, you know, everyone's saying, Lionel's saying we're making California the backup. When's California? Uh, October. Yeah. So it should have been, okay, Kona's not happening. Yeah. We're going to California. Yeah, just for the pros. Yeah. I agree. Mm. We'll go deeper into it next week. Okay, John. One, two, three, four. High five. I don't know if we're going to be able to put this interview in. We've already done 40 minutes. Okay, we'll just do this quickly. This can, this can be pretty quick fire. And uh, Okay, riding in the wind in light of the weather bomb that hit... Oh, okay, so basically the weather bomb that hit the 70.3 Royal Champs. What are you going to do to ride when you're riding in the wind, John? It looked horrendous. And so very windy. And so here's a few tips. Okay, you go first. Number one, go riding in the wind. Get off your smart trainers and go riding in the wind. I had a guy email me who I gave a program to the other day. He's, he's just got a smart trainer. And he said, it's okay to ride in there, you know, on days where I'm actually scheduled to ride outside. And I said, when it's raining, no problem. When it's windy, get out on the bike and ride. Yeah, do your skills. Go riding in the wind. That's point number one. Number two, stay on your aero bars into the wind on consistent winds hitting 45. So stay on your aero bars 
if you're going into a headwind or if the wind is coming from you onto your sort of shoulder, you know, sort of coming in from like a 45 degree angle, try to stay down in your arrow bars, even if the temptation is to come up. And that's if it's more of a blockhead wind. If it's really gusty, might be a slightly different story. Number three, when sitting up, try to avoid locking your elbows. So when you're up on your bull horns or your handlebars, or whatever you've got on your bike, what your setup is, it's really easy to have really straight arms and lock your elbows out. Um, try to, and this, this applies actually all the time, not just when it's windy, but just point your elbows out slightly just so there's a very small bend and that will give you the ability for your arms to act slightly more like shock absorbers and that's good if you hit a bump or if you get hit by a little bit of a wind gust you can adjust a lot quicker whereas if you're locked out it's kind of like boom you're hitting like a, a solid wall and you're going to lose your balance a lot quicker. Uh, tip number four is watch riders in front of you in gusty conditions as they might get a tiny you might get a tiny warning of what's about to hit you so if you're watching them you can kind of see oh they've been hit there they might come mm. towards me. Especially important if you're riding in Kona because you can see the wind coming. Yep. Number five, lean your bike into the side wind. So if you've got a really strong wind coming directly from the side, you do not want to be staying directly straight up and down. You want to be leaning slightly your bike slightly, um, so keeping it nice and straight, but leaning slightly to the side. Number six, uh, try to relax your body as best you can. So don't fight it through the upper body. Keep the you know efficiency of energy. Relax as you're moving into it. Remember to drink. Very easy in the hot conditions, uh, hot and windy conditions to completely forget to drink, especially in Kona. So have some reminders. If you know it's going to be windy or if it just happens to turn out windy when you weren't expecting it, remind yourself to keep the fluids going in. Okay, and my last one is be mindful of cadence. So obviously a lot of people fight cadence when they go into a headwind. Try to keep your cadence at the rate you normally work at. So have a, have, have a little, uh, on your bike computer, hopefully you have cadence showing. So just keep an eye on it. It could be getting, um, it's okay for it to go a little bit lower, but often what you see going into it's winds grinding. is, say for example, you might normally ride at 85 to 90 cadence, and then going into a wind, you ride it, start riding at 60, like you're going up a bloody 15% incline. And there's two downsides to that. The main one being, you probably haven't trained for it, and so it's going to fatigue your legs um, a lot quicker. Number nine, watch your power if you've got a power meter. Again, really easy to pump the power very high riding into a headwind, um, and then slacking off too much with the tailwind. So again, as with um, cadence, your power might be a little bit high going into the headwind, but don't make it so much so that if you're doing an Ironman, you're riding above half Ironman effort, um, or, or you know, if you're doing a half Ironman, avoid you know, going at FTP or anything like that. So just keep an, keep an eye on power. Okay to be a little bit higher, but not crazy so. Okay, that's a high five. Guys, we've got an interview coming up. Cal, Cam Calkin, um, Cohen, sorry, Cam Cohen. He's, um, I interviewed him for my podcast, which I released yesterday. Now, he's a guy who's got cerebral palsy, um, but man, a successful person. Now, his, his speech is a little bit um, hard to decipher. It's not terrible. And he kind of brings it up straight away. So, but, you know, it's, it, oh my God, this is a great interview. And, it's, you know, I, I'm lucky because I get to interview a lot of pretty inspirational people. And this is one of those ones when I got to the end, I was like, jeepers, creepers, this guy's an absolute rock star. Um, so I'm going to put it in right now. Again, his, his speech is a little bit off, but you, you get used to it pretty quick. And, and again, he fronts up to it pretty quickly as well. So here is Cam right now. Okay, team, I'm very happy to have a man by the name of Ken Calcoon on the show today. He is a speaker, he's a bit of an inspirational character, and he's got a really fascinating story. Welcome along to the show. No, it's great to be here. Thank you for having me. Where do we start? So maybe maybe tell us tell us a bit about yourselves and give us a bit of insight to kind of your history and where you are today. 
Yeah, so I guess the first thing people are going to be picking up is, man, this guy sounds a bit different. No, what happened before? So I was born with cerebral palsy, a physical disability, which can fix the way in which messages travel around my body. But I grew up in an awesome environment. Mum, dad, people in my life who really just opportunity-centric and realised that life Life is a reflection of what you see, what you do, and what you create. So ever since I was that kid in a sandpit at school, I would have the biggest, most crazy, most wild dreams, and uh, and life just turned into an awesome ride. So, so even though you, you know, you were different because you you, you had your cerebral palsy. Yeah. The, the the attitude your parents brought you up with was what. So, you know, this COVID season has been really interesting because we've all been presented with something that we weren't prepared for, couldn't expect, didn't have a book. And I asked mum and dad, I said, what decisions did you make at the point you'd heard I've been born with cerebral palsy? Mm -hmm. Something that you couldn't control, something that you did not expect, something there was no book for. And they said to stay true to the dreams that inspired us to be parents. Oh, wow, what a beautiful statement. You know, as a parent, the dream was to have a kid that would play football. So when it came to me saying, hey, can I play soccer? But I was like, yeah, absolutely, get out there. And in fact, that sport, doing cricket, doing soccer, um, <laughs> doing the egg and spoon race for my dad, put a bit of chewing gum on my spoon. <laughs> but doing Doing all of that stuff was instead of doing physio, because for me, doing physio every single day after school didn't really have a meaning. Why did I need to be more flexible? Why did I need to be stronger? But as soon as I had my sport, I had a reason for doing all those things. Really? Really? So I remember I had a, a tree hut, you know, and my tree hut was bigger more gnarly than any of the tree house. You know, good Kiwi attitude, um, big, big long rope ladder. And when people came over, they'd look at my tree hut and they'd look at me and the way I walk and they'd say to mum and dad, do you really let Cam go all the way up there? What if he falls? To which mum and dad responded, but what if we made it to the top? Mm. Right? And there were some times when I did fall over, but for getting back up, I built resilience. And so when it came to being that kid at school, who was a little bit different, you know, Cindy Lopu says, show your true colours, and that's why I love you. And so that's what I did. I realised that people wanted to feel good. People wanted to laugh. People wanted to feel cool. So at school, I'd go up to kids, and I'd say, look, I can't skateboard because my balance isn't as good as yours. So I'd give them a compliment, make them feel good. Um, but I have my scooter. And with my scooter, I can go wherever you go. And it's amazing. When you break down those barriers, friendship was never a problem. And a lot of people assume it was. But mm -hmm. I think when you're different, you've got to step outside your comfort zone into the comfort zone of others. And sport and physical activity, for me, was how I did that. 
And was it hard at first? You know, because it's, it's, it's obviously what you had is you had experiences that taught you that this approach is a really good approach and allows you to kind of break down those barriers that maybe you would have had to face. You know, because I get it, kids are cruel. And um, and the problem with all the, when you've got like cerebral palsy is it's such an obvious difference, you know? Yeah. And so, um, so was that something you had, to, I know this is a long time ago, but was that something you had to kind of dip your feet in and figure out or did you kind of just always have a good attitude? Um, I know that it was a long time ago, but we we always learn lessons from from when we were young, right? Mm-hmm. You know, even speak today in front of audiences all over the place. I talk about what young Cam and what he would do. I think I had I had a couple of benefits. One benefit was I was born this way, so yeah. I don't be different, right? Yeah. So all I had was my dreams and I I I just wanted life to be a reflection of those dreams and I don't know what it was that made me realize that things aren't always gonna be easy, but why would you let those challenges get in the way of who you wanted to be? I wanted to be that popular kid at school. I wanted to be a successful in sport. So I saw it as my responsibility, no one else's responsibility, to do all the things that I had to do. And, you know, people might be thinking, yeah, but really? But the thing is, we can so easily get comfortable with comfortable. And you've got to step outside that comfort zone. And when you do, the most incredible things can happen. You know, when you do, the person who walks funny and talks funny can turn both of those, you know, like we'll get to this later, but I'm sure part of the reason I'm on this podcast is I've represented our country in sport and I've become speaker of the year and those two biggest challenges have become my passport, just travelling the world. Mm. And so I always, when I was a kid, I didn't know what I wanted to be, right? But I knew what I wanted to do. I wanted to travel, I wanted to entertain, and I wanted to connect. And so whenever opportunities came up that might take me there, I said yes. So so in some ways it, it built this kind of um, I need to make it within myself and have the courage to be the person I want to be. And, and you, you basically built the life you wanted to be by making tough choices along the way and made you wake up in a place where you have achieved some massive things along the way. Yeah, yeah. If, if something excited me, you know, if, and and I, I looked at how I could make that happen, you know. Mm. That's why I dream big, achieve more. When I was, as a tech engaged, okay, so it wasn't always easy. And like mm. a teenager, it was, it was tough because teenager, I changed environment. I went into a school where I wasn't with the kids that I'd grown up with. Um, I was, I'd moved from small town Hawks Bay to big city of Auckland, always changes. Plus, I'm a teenager, right? Just yeah, going yeah. normal teenage stuff. And I remember there were some days when it got really, really dark. And I said to myself, I got support, but what enabled me to embrace that support was my dream. And I was like, I never want to give up on what I know I could become deep, deep down. I don't really know what that is, but I know that I want to live this incredible life where I do get to travel, 
we all do get to entertain and we all do get to connect. And as a kid, I had lots of glimpses of it, you know, playing, getting play of a day in cricket, you know, like stuff like that gave me confidence that if I really want something, I can achieve it. Mm, so you built your confidence and it helped you open up your own possibility. Yeah. Yeah. Believe in yourself so much. And I know we hear that, but and if you do that and you have that dream, and that's the thing, like I think we can think of dreams, um, we can underestimate the power of our dreams, really. I've got a question for you because one thing that's I've got a friend whose child is transsexual um, and they've kind of, you know, they've, they've gone from being a female to a male, or, yep. you know, have you going to reference it nowadays? But one thing I was talking to this, this kid about was how kind of that's always a discussion, you know, like for them, like, you know, like no one ever talks to me about my sexuality and for yeah. them and their, their life, a lot of their discussion is around, you know, that's that's the kind of stamp that gets put on you. And this, this yeah. kid's an amazing kid and it's very talented in lots of different areas, but it's kind of like that's always the go-to conversation. Yeah. And, and and there's a much more deeper person behind just this yeah. one part of their life. And and is that something you've had to, because, you know, because you because your disability is a, you yeah. know, a physical thing, you yeah. know, and, I, and I know you've obviously created so much success in so many different areas and, and there's so many dimensions to cam that's more interesting yeah. just than the, the thing you were yeah. born with what, what, what how do you work around that when when yeah. you know that um, yeah i think you articulated that really well because i think when i look back on a part of a driver to having these big dreams in life was to give some give people something else to focus yeah. on yeah yeah and yeah. so making it obvious that so when I was at high school, you know, I didn't want to become the dude with cerebral palsy. Yeah. I became the athlete. And, yeah. and, and, and then, I, but then I realized that I also had to be a bloody good athlete in order for that to almost become the title mm. that would shine brighter than the cerebral palsy. So that became... So it was almost like you felt you needed a higher standard than just your everyday athlete because it's like, really? for me and to take I, over, okay, okay. But so high for myself in everything I do because that's, that's how I'll be able to showcase that people in general are much more than what we perceive at a clutch. Yeah, yeah. And and I get it. We all have our labels. Like I, I did Ironman triathlon for years. And people, yeah. the first question I always get was, how's training? You know, and it's because yeah. it's the box I was seen in. And um, yeah. and now I'm a much more multidimensional person. So some people ask me how's training. Some people ask me how my band's going. Some people ask me how business is going. And it's yeah. that, you know, there's many aspects to the person, um, but yeah. it's just, yeah, just it's a really interesting. So a part of your driver was to actually be seen as more than just this kid who was born with this thing. Yeah. Wow, fascinating. Yeah. And, it's, and it was a real conscious decision based around the areas that you were interested in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And so then how did you work on getting that level of respect? By, yeah, so by, by making those dreams happen, right? Yeah. Because, um, Everyone else has a. Oh, yeah, right. Are you there? Yep, 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 yeah. Um, but yeah, making those dreams happen because I realised that people, all people of all abilities and all cultures, have dreams and goals and aspirations. And if you can be healthy, seeing to do it, 
man, we're just going to inspire people, encourage people. So let's, let's, let's talk about your athletic career. So you've represented the country. I, I, I know a little bit about you, Cam. I don't know a huge amount. So what yeah. was your sport yeah. and what, was, what were your achievements? Uh, 100 and 200 metres in uh, the World Championship. So I was aiming to the Paralympics and a bit of politics got in the way. So I got <laughs> most interesting thing was sport, you know, there's, there's this stuff that people say, you know, when there's the yeah. stuff that you as an athlete. Um, so definitely aspiring towards the um, Paralympics, finished fifth in the 100 metres at World Champs and the 200 metres, um, running some pretty cool times and um, and did that full time, full time from the age of 15 to 25. Wow. So got me through school. Um, I got into it as a 15 year old because I was on the um, so 12, 13 years of age was when I was going through a bit of a dark patch and I knew that sport would be my my outlet so I got into skiing and all this stuff and then I went to Rangi Toto College with Terenzo Bazzoni who yeah. you know from Ironman and uh, T and I were in the same class and it was a school athletics day and a bit of paper was coming through and I really wanted to put my name down. But inside my head was that voice saying, what will people think? What will they say? And um, I realised that you could only listen to one voice at a time. And I listened to Terenzo and he said, just put your name down for, for the shortest event. And uh, that was the 100 metres and I did it. And uh I lost that race, as you can imagine. Uh, I ran it in something like 18 seconds. But as I ran down that track, people were saying, go, Cam, go, Cam, you can do it. And those words of encouragement just ignited uh, a new chapter. And so the next day I called up to Renjo and said, let's go for a run. And he came and picked me up. And I thought he'd pick me up in his car, but I didn't realise that it uh, it ran to my house and then we had about a, a 4K run up to the track and that was our warm-up. And <laughs> I think at that point I realised that the short-distance stuff was for me. <laughs> I walking away and I was just focusing on my survival. Um, and then for been six months of training really hard, training with alongside some of the best athletes of that generation, uh, but these Cougars, um, North, North Harbour Club, um, North Harbour Athletics um, went off to uh, the juniors, junior Paralympics and won gold in both the 100 and 200 metres and just the, the career kind of blossomed from there. So, so you, you obviously, Cam, you've obviously been very successful because you're one speaker of the year. You've made a career out of speaking. As you said, you know, your two limits were your physical and your speaking uh, yeah. and, and you've been, you know, huge, huge success in both. How do you approach growth, and how do you how do you, how come you're so successful? Um, I surround myself with people that inspire me even more. So in 2019, I climbed Mount Kilimanjaro, wow. and I it's 19,000 feet, and I I'd never done anything like climb Mount Kilimanjaro before. I hate the idea of walking for that long, you know, it's a five-day climb up and two days down. But I thought this is a pretty cool thing to do. And so I emailed people that 
inspired me, but I but I don't get to spend a lot of time with inviting them on the trip of a lifetime. And from that email, 19 people said yes. And these are people who had performed with Pink, Madonna, Kylie Minogue, people who had 10 years ago been broke and within 10 years built multi-million dollar companies um, doing incredible things. And I asked all of them who were already my mates, I said, at what point or what made you become the success that you are today? And they all said, at the point of getting comfortable, we push ourselves further. And I think that's the one thing that I related to because as much as being uncomfortable is scary, being comfortable really, um, I don't feel like I'm living. I don't feel like I'm thriving unless I'm having to wake up each day and go, how do I make that shit happen? Okay. So so you've kind of learned to live in a place where you're, the uncomfortable is the place you understand this, where you're going to evolve and you challenge yourself to be in that place as, as often as possible in life. Because that's what awesome is all about, you know, yeah. and awesome is a word that I've, I've taken all over the world. It's in all my speeches, it's in all my photos. I have this big, big sculpture of it. And awesome. It's, is, it's on his hat right now. I can see it on his hat. Yep. So. <laughs> awesome is because awesome is often the things that, are going to get your knees shaking, your butterflies flying. But when you get to yeah. the other side of it, yeah. you're going to, that was the best thing I've ever done. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I, recently, I, I, I've i talked about this on my podcast, but I'm I'm an adult musician. So I've, you'll see my piano in the background, my keyboard in the background. Yeah. And, um, yeah. I've, I've learned piano as an adult. Um, and I've joined a band in the last kind of couple of years and we've started performing live. And, and I stand like you, know, I stand in front of people every day of my life. I'm comfortable. But when I was playing live, I've never been so scared in like 10 years. But it was, it was that moment, you know, it was that, that I'm alive right now, you know, and that's what it's all about, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. It gives you it gives you a level of focus that you you don't always have because you know that you've got to, you know, you've got to get to the other side. So, so you, you, there's a state you like to get to. So you like to get to the place of uncomfortable because you know uncomfortable means stretching and stretching is awesomeness, as you like to call it. What about on the practical side? You know, you, 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 say, that you say to yourself, I want to become a speaker. I want to go to a comfortable place that allows me to get there. How do you approach becoming a guy who ends up winning speaker of the year? You know, like how do you practically plan your growth and your success pathway? Um, so when I started speaking, I, obviously I was terrified. You know, I was the guy who, Taught funny, uh, even today, with having a career out of it. I'm aware that people who don't know me would be like, oh, one of my biscuit does his job, you know? And how I approached it was I took my training as an athlete and I put that into my speaking. So I realized that if I could get really clear on what I wanted to talk about, so I would write down those speeches word for word but I would write it from the perspective of every single person in the audience. So a bit like a kid at primary school, you know, it was about stepping out of my comfort zone and going, what does this audience want to hear? But I don't want to hear a story about a person with a disability. They want to hear something that's going to make them feel good. So how do I make my story do that for other people? And then... That is, it was training, you know. I'm not just getting up there and speaking words that come to my mind. You know, this is a full-time 
lifestyle choice of waking up at two o'clock in the morning to go to the bathroom and pretending that when you open that door, you're stepping out onto a stage. And if you were stepping out on the stage, what would you say at that point? Or you go, okay, it's quarter past the hour. I'd be quarter of an hour into my talk. What what would I be saying at this point? And just continue, you know, visualization, you know, the, the reason I was able to get my time down from 18 seconds to 12 seconds is I would visualize that time. I would watch it and I would imagine where am I on the track. And and that's how I got there. That's how I achieved it. So you kind of you, you break down things to all levels, and then you and then you're really kind of quite meticulous around how to win each point of this journey. Yeah, break, breaking it all down, imagining what it's like at each of those points. You know, for climbing Kilimanjaro. Okay, I knew at some point I was going to experience altitude sickness. What am I going to do to get through that? You know. Preparing for every part of the journey, um, you know. Yeah, 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 for sure. When it comes to speaking, what kind of what kind of messages do you like your your audiences to take from you? Uh, so the the main one is the attitude of if something excites you, find a reason to say yes rather than the perceptions for saying no, and whether that's walking past someone on the street and thinking, oh, I wonder if I should say hello to that person. How often do we not say hello? How often do we limit who we are because we worry about what people may think, what people may say? And as soon as we can stop worrying about what people may think or what they may say, it's okay to think about it, but we don't want it to cripple us. We don't want it, we, we don't want it to disable us. You know, I talk about the biggest disability in this real world is fear, fear of failure, fear of embarrassment. Um, but the more we experience that, the more resilient we become. So when I started speaking in New Zealand, I heard that there was a speaker bureau. I was like, what the hell? What's a bureau? That sounds cool, but what is it? And someone said, oh, well, we'll pay you to speak. And I was like, oh, you mean you can get paid for doing this? <laughs> and they said, yeah, man, you can, you can make money. And so I went to that bureau and I said, um, cool, um, Cam, here's a video of my dog in. I've been doing this for two years. Um, can I be on your books? And they sent me an email. And in that email, it said, um, you will be on our database to receive our email. And I was like, no, no, no. I don't want to receive your email. I want to be in your email, right? And I looked at all these people who were in there, and it was all blacks. It was politicians. It was TV personalities. It was people who were Chris Keynes, people who had been up on my wall as a kid. And I looked at them all, and I thought, they've all got to the ultimate pinnacle of who they want to be, and that's why they're getting booked as speakers. I was like, what would happen if I made my profile, my goal, my dream into becoming the best speaker that I could be, to be known as a speaker that inspired people to reach a whole new level of of who they could be? And so instead of being scared or put off or seeing that as a rejection, I decided to move to New York. And I saw New York as being the most competitive place as a speaker 
before we speak it to Pete. And as Frank Sinatra said, if you can make it in New York, you can make it in <laughs> And so I went to New York. I used the network. I built connections. I ended up doing five speeches. I came back to New Zealand. Um, but Bureau accepted me. And we went from doing one speech a year to one speech a month, one speech a week to, you know, ultimately doing four speeches a week all over the world and getting that award. And it was about just, again, turning rejection into affection. Look at why you're not getting what you want. Look at what people have done to get what they want or what you want. And then just go out and make it happen. Yeah, it's awesome. You're a really good example. You, and that's what's so good about you is that your credibility is in your living, isn't it? Yeah. 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 You know, like it's, you've, you've done, you know, everything you're preaching is actually proof, proved by the fact that you're actually, you know, taking these moves, moving yourself overseas to get an opportunity to come back and actually just get an opportunity. You know, yeah. like, you, you know you're doing the work, aren't you? you? You do the work and you enjoy it and you make people feel good and, Great things can happen. Now, just going back to, to the cerebral palsy, do, do, I'm just kind of curious, and this is me just being curious here, have drugs helped, with, like, has technology and drugs help your everyday life, or is it pretty much the same as what it was when you were a kid now? No, man, so there is no technology, there is no drugs. Okay. What you see is what you get, you know, okay. it's not after him shoving things down my Throat or anything like that. No, no, I'm just kind of curious because I'm. Yeah, no, no. And that's why I answered it like that because a lot of people, and to be fair, to be very fair, cerebral palsy affects people in in real different ways. So the reason in which I've got it is that um, during birth, there was a a confusion, there was a delay in time, there was a cut of oxygen to the cerebral part of for a little, so my brain function operation is, you know, normal, but the way in which the messages then travel from my brain around my body get disrupted. But the difference between, say, me and you with the cut of oxygen, you're talking like this in a 100th of a second, right? And be someone who would be in a wheelchair fully, like, unable to talk, unable to walk, and again, the difference between them and me is like you're not talking about much, yeah. but it's that part of oxygen um, as a kid. Some people will get it as an adult through an accident. Um, and, and unfortunate, a lot of people will have cerebral palsy and something else, you know, and epilepsy. And okay. um, yeah. So, and, and, and fortunately for you, you just have the cerebral palsy. I just have what you said, you know, it's just the way I walk, the way I talk, and uh, and it, does, it gets better the more comfortable and confident I get. So that's the cool really? thing. When I'm speaking on stage, you know, people will naturally see the progression of, um, you know, from not being able to pick up a glass of water because that might spill at the beginning of a talk yeah. to pick glasses of water so so if you're feeling really nervous or if you're underprepared or um you're actually the cerebral palsy will be more enhanced yep yep and it makes sense right because cerebral palsy is tightness of the muscles right Hmm. so the more unprepared the more scared the more frightened you are the tighter your muscles are going to be if you're about to do a bungee jump your muscles are probably way tighter when you are when you're at home watching a podcast and yeah, so yeah. 
move syllable palsy, that's what it is. So my muscles are just at a degree of tightness, um, longer and more so than others. But if you do sport, if you do flexibility and stretching, that's going to get better, you know. As a speaker, you're constantly stretching these muscles. So I'm sure that being a speaker has been a great um, training for me in my cerebral palsy. And I'm sure also learning to deal with those kind of emotional states when nerves that are in place, learning how to kind of emotionally get yourself in a, in a relaxed state has helped in everyday life as well. Yeah, and you do that for breathing, right? Yeah. And like never underestimate the power of breathing. I, you know, I still forget about it, but it's amazing. If you breathe, you will feel more relaxed. Do those well, one, question, one question I like to ask people who kind of help others is currently what is the thing that you do struggle with you know like because you know like we people like you and i we, we kind of get to be leaders and we kind of get to stand in front of people and um just what's maybe that thing that is still the work on for you um so right right now i was co-risk covid environment right is that i've never ever had anything happen where I'm out of control of what I can do, you know, taking away the cerebral palsy. Yeah. People say, Cam, you can't speak with us. I go, cool, I'll, I'll, go, I'll, I'll, I'll take that as a challenge and I'll go and speak in New York. Yeah. I can't do something like that now, you know, and maybe I can, but it's just a deeper level of thinking, how are we going to get through this next little while? But what I remind myself is energy, energy, energy. Being in control of that energy is really easy to go from news to press conference to, you know, mm-hmm. getting in a bubble of, holy shit, this world is out of control, to being like, okay, let's confine that, let's get the information we need. But, you know, as soon as this happens, you know, overnight all my work, disappears right whenever we go into a lockdown every single job disappears and I go shit we've just bought a house we've you know we've got all this stuff and then I go I the first thing I do is I email every single person I've spoken to um as a client and just say hey you know send them some inspiration give stuff away make people feel good and trust that in turn you feel good and then you start getting clarity of what is possible or you start realizing that maybe you don't need as much as you thought you needed mm-hmm. so so even though you have the tough time you try to figure a process out of it and it helps you put your spe- perspective back in place look I, I think the biggest dream you know we can have all these big dreams we can want to be the biggest the best athlete in the world we can want to go and do that triathlon we can want to go and win a gold medal over there the biggest dream of all you know is life and i don't think you can ever you know let's not underestimate that you know once his life is gone it's gone so how do we just see everything else has been a part of that journey how do we look back on what's happening now and go, man, it's going to be awesome. You know, how do we make COVID awesome, you know, by getting to the other side of it? Because everyone's knees are shaking. Everyone's butterflies are flying right now. I've got a question for you as an athlete. First of all, so you said you got 12 seconds in your sprint. Yeah, 12.24. Jeez, that's pretty good. Um, 
and for those people who don't understand sprinting, that's 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 smoking. That's not that's not a walk in the park. That's actually smoking. Um, yes. So you shifted from being an athlete to focusing on your speaking career. Yeah. Um, what is what is movement in your life now, and how did you find that transition away from being an athlete? Yeah. So um, I one thing I love is competition. Yeah. I love it, and I got to a point where. Um, I didn't want my competition in life to be determined by the abilities of my cerebral palsy, but were governed by who I am as a human being. And I knew I was starting to get this feeling that I could be a speaker, right? And so when I looked at that, yep, you can be on our email, and I looked at all those people that were on that email, I was like, those are the guys and girls and people I want to be competitive with, not in terms of beating them, but... Pretty awesome standing on the same stage as Sir Graham Henry or Nadia of them, you know, and these people. So um, that's what competition looks like for me. And then in terms of sport, it's about uh, keeping the uh, a head and fo- a, a fit and healthy mind, you know. So it's about going for the walks. It's about being physically prepared for um, opportunities that come up, you know? Because it is interesting because, I, you know, I'm still working fitness, so I'm still very, very active, but, I, you know, I wouldn't call myself an athlete nowadays. I'm more just no. a fit guy. Um, but it is, you know, that transition away from sport where that's been your whole focus. And ultimately, I think what you're saying is the different focus. So your main focus was to shift that kind of competitive nature to no. your speaking, and then the shift of movement became more of a, a lifestyle. Yeah. But that, so that shift, that shift was really scary because all my life it was built around canvas. You know, all the people in my yeah. life, course in my life, you know, I, I was I was one of the first athletes to be part of the um, Peter Snell Academy. You know, oh, my Terry yeah. Adams and Trenzo Bersani were the first three. I had this incredible life around me. I had sponsorships, and I. And at this point, I was like, I don't actually want fish anymore. You know, when I was beginning as a speaker, I was telling people that I'm not going to stop until I have that Paralympic gold medal. I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to let anything get in my way. And so now when I was starting to think of something else, I was like, shit, will anyone ever believe me? Have I just, you know, duped all these people? And I remember I went and met with a mentor this is why mentors are so important. And this was a guy that I'd met through my sport. So I was packing myself as to what this conversation would be. And he said, Cam, people don't support you for what you do. They support you for who you are. Yeah, and those words, and I think a lot of um, top sports people and people high performing would actually realise that um, – yeah, this sport, this who we are, this identity does not have to override who we are, which goes back to, I guess, you know, when you started talking about your friends, kids, you know, and a lot of the conversations about with sexuality, but that's not who they are. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. palsy is not who I am. Well, being an all black is not who an all black is. It may be a part and a big part and an obvious part, but there's so many other layers to every 
version. Actually, interesting. I, on my other podcast, I interviewed Hamish Carter last week. And, yeah, cool. uh, and he was saying how one of the downfalls of being an Olympic gold medalist is people just always see you in that box. You know, yeah. and and it's kind of like this discussion we've had here. There's so many more dimensions to him as a person, and uh, and he says and he says he understands why and he, and he appreciates that. And he doesn't. He was kind of resistant to talk about it, but I kind of pushed. But um, because he was kind of like, I don't want to diminish the importance of this and how cool it is in my life. But it is, it is, it can be tough because people just see you as that one thing. And 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 obviously Hamish Carter is more than just an Olympic gold medalist. He's this man who has many dimensions. Um, it's just it's just interesting, isn't it? Yeah, and I guess that would be a really cool takeaway. I guess that's part of the underlying message of a lot of my speeches. Well, I don't obviously point it out, but it is that thing of always put the person first, yeah. you know? Yeah. And if we can do that as a society, you know, when they talk about people, you know, disabled, you often hear, like, it's a disabled person, and it's not a disabled person. You know, it's a person with a disability. Maybe he can't play soccer, but, you know, that's okay. There's yeah. some really other things that person could do. Yeah, totally. It offers so much more than the fact he can't play soccer. Um, just this yeah. lastly, uh, what would you say to somebody who's in a bit of a rut right now? Because obviously we've got COVID, we've got, you know, it is a, it is a challenging time. So, or maybe just want to make some change in life. What would be just, you know, your words of wisdom around that? Yeah, it would be, you know, holding on to those dreams, those big, gnarly, cool dreams and believe in them and visualise that and work towards who you want to be and do that through talking with people and 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 having the goal of every day of, of controlling your energy, how you feel. Mm-hmm. And if it's dancing around in your pyjamas or doing, you know, like, Energy creates energy, so look for as many ways as you can to create that positive energy. And by just sitting upright, taking in a deep breath, yeah, yeah awesome. and be, be be gentle to yourself. You know, the the, the benefit of, of where we are right now is that everyone's going through the same thing. So there should be no shame. There should be no embarrassment. If you want to talk about it. Talking about it. Yeah, awesome. Hey, if people want to follow you or if they want to get you to talk, give us the plug. Oh, cheers, man. So just uh, my website, you know, which I'm sure you'll put in some yep. deep show notes. Yep. Um, show notes. And then I'm, I'm on uh, Instagram, LinkedIn for the professional people and, uh, and, and Facebook, Rosa Domain, and, and some stuff on YouTube. You know, if people want to see some of what I do and some of the audiences I've spoken with, it's all up there on YouTube. And, uh, yeah, just um, share, share the awesomeness. Make people feel good. That's yeah. all I'm able to do. I, I think you're doing a pretty great job, mate. It was really awesome talking to you. Keep up the good work. And, uh, again, I'll put the, the links to Cam's work and uh, his website in the show notes. If you want to check him out, you go there. Thanks for your time, mate. Cheers, Bevan. Thank you. As I was saying before I did the interview, John, this guy – is just a, a definition of success, you know. Like as, as you would have heard there, his um his speech is off, and he's become like New Zealand's number one speaker, mm. you know. And and just number yeah. two behind you. No, I'm way down when it comes to speaking <laughs> list. I don't really push the speaking thing. I, I speak. I probably do about twenty gigs a year, um, but it's nothing I never push. Mm. It's more people just knock on my door. So, but hey, 
I love that interview. Hopefully, you guys did as well. Okay, John, let's move on to the next part of the show, and we're going to go wango. We'll quickly do website of the week, because this is a little bit lighthearted. Website of of the the week. week. Okay, so it's celebrities who have done triathlon. Now, there's different levels here, because sometimes people have just done a triathlon, and then there's triathletes. So 55. We're not going to go through all 55. I'm going to scan through a couple. You can scan through. Maybe if you go, can you go from the back? Yeah, you go from the back, I'll go from the... Oh, that's interesting. Uh, so you've got Gordon, Gordon Ramsay. A lot of you guys know he did uh, Iron Man. Sean Austin from The Lord of the Rings. He did an Iron Man. Did, uh, he was my favourite. Sam. 1530. And he raised 25 grand. Max Greenfield. Don't know him. He's from The, the New Girl. Uh, Jennifer Lopez did uh, the 2008. She did uh, the Malibu Triathlon. Uh, get her endorsing your races and you'll do, do well. Matthew McConaughey. Uh, he looks like he might have done the swim. I know he's done a few. few. Yep, good on him. Uh, America Ferreira. Don't know who she is. My one hasn't done the list. I've got to click through. Are you got to click through? Yeah, Jeremy. Click, click on the little arrows. Yeah, there's a few American sports stars that I don't know. Tony Carnan. Looks like he's a race car driver. Heinz Ward. He was one of the big Iron Man guys. He was an American footballer. Mel C from the from Sporty Spice. She did some triathlons in 2011. Eric Burns, an NBL player. Let's see if I can find another one that I actually know. Quite a few have. A couple of characters from The Office. Have you watched The Office? The American Office? No, I know you love that. Oh, it's brilliant. Plenty of NFL players. Apollo Ono, who was an American Olympian. Yeah, he was a big one. Yeah. I'm looking for not non-athletes. Jennifer Lopez? Yep, said her. Oh. Clearly weren't listening. For well, it's not working for me, John. Oh, come on. Uh, Ther- Ther- Terry Hatcher? From, What's she from? She's from Desperate. two things. What else yeah. is she from? She was Superman, wasn't she? Yeah, yeah. Lois, Desperate Lois Housewives. She'd finished a triathlon in 2009. Uh, David Hasselhoff, the half participated in Richard Branson and Richard Branson's team for the 20, uh, 2010 Virgin London Triathlon. So it sounds like he didn't even do the whole thing, but hey, still part of it. Anna Kornikova. Uh, she was an athlete. She was a tennis player. So who was that one there? Jennifer Garner. She, yeah, Jennifer Garner. She's a famous actor. She's in lots of good films. So we've all done the Malibu Triathlon. They get some rock stars there. Uh, uh, Zach Efron. Belinda keeps telling me that. Zach Efron's got a brother who's a triathlete. It's apparently quite good. Oh, really? Oh, so here's the question. Who do you reckon be the best? Oh, God. Zach, Zach Efron. No, the best, one of the really good ones, and I think he's on this list, is Jensen Button. Oh, yeah, he, 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 was, was he, very was, good. he was very good. And another Formula One driver, Mark Webber. I'm not sure. He did more multiple But those guys are triathlon. fit. Yeah. They're athletes, aren't they? They are. You know, they're not just yeah. celebrities. They're athletes. I reckon JLo would take out the females. Right. And I think in the men's, it would be... Will, Will Farrell did something in 2002. Oh, yeah, it would be Will Farrell. Yeah. When I did Kona, the year I did Kona, the American Bachelor, who just won, like when The Bachelor just first came out, it was a big program, yeah. and he had just won. Right. And I was at the supermarket one day, you know, this big supermarket you yeah. go to, I'm in there and he walks in and I don't know who he is because I was, you know, wouldn't follow a show in New Zealand but oh my God, everybody in the supermarket stopped. <laughs> like it was, like, oh, oh, oh. It, was, it was kind of one of those moments. It was fascinating stuff. So there we go. Lots of celebrities love our sport. Wanger! Oh, halfway. Halfway? Give me 50. I'm 50. Is it Glenn Olsen I think it is? Glenn Olsen. He's an epic camper. Oh, there uh, we go. He needs a photo. A couple of epic camps. Roomed with him. Where did I room with him? I roomed with Glenn, I think. We did this ride, and I remember it, we were, it was the first day of our last epic camp we did in France, and we rode from the coast at, uh, not, it wasn't Dunkirk, it was uh, 
somewhere up on the northern coast. Yep. And we went over the Col de Marie Blanc, which is a really famous col. And then we went over the Col de Salor, the, the Obisque and the Col de Salor. And on that first day, I was kind of quite keen to get the yellow jersey. Yep. And I think, I'd, I think I did in the end. But we had an aquathon in the morning. And then I wanted to ride 200 k's. And over, this is over multiple passes. Yep. And we had the 12-hour rule. You were only about two hours K, 200 Ks. 200 K, you get bonus points. Okay. And yeah, it's going to be really, you've got to finish, the, you can, once we started the Aquathon in the morning at whatever, 6.30, you had to be done by 6.30 at night. And that's including your run? It's including the, yeah, including the, the Aquathon was a swim run. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, then yeah, we had yeah. time to get 200 K in. And I think it was 200, whatever it was. Time was tight and I knew it was going to be tight. And the, it was an uphill finish. We had to climb like God knows how long, halfway up a bloody mountain to finish. Yeah. And so you're looking at your clock going, holy crap, this is going to be really, really tight. And I made it by about a minute. (laughs) But my bike computer ran out of battery at 199.9 kilometers. Did you get the points? I did, because when I uploaded it, it rounded up from 199.9 to 200. So I claimed it. But Glenn Olsen, I think, was rooming with me that night. It was a beautiful hotel. and he last week he swam one hour and five minutes. He rode seven hours and twenty three minutes, and he ran five hours. It's from Washington so nice DC. Thirteen activities, thirteen minutes and thirty. Nice work, work Glenn Olson. You are our winger of the week. week. Now maybe we'll leave this new section because we've probably done like an hour yes. and a half. Yep. So Sounds so good. we're going to do swim set. Watch your swim set. I actually haven't been swimming today. It's just a bit difficult. They've, did I ch- tell you? Yeah, oh, they've changed the swim set up again. Again, what have they done this time? Uh, I don't know who's making up these rules. They've taken out, so out of the pool that I swim in is a small pool. It's only five lanes. Yep. And so they had one swimmer per lane. So I didn't even bother turning up. I went somewhere else for a swim last week. Where'd you go? Uh, at Aqua Gym. And then this week, I went for a, well, last week I went for a swim maybe on, whatever it was, Friday maybe. And what they did then, they took every second lane rope out. So then they ended up with two lanes of, in a five-lane pool? Two lanes of two lanes and one lane of one lane. Okay. And so the, the theory was... People wouldn't hit each other. You're supposed to swim up one side and then swim back on the other side. And if you're resting, you go on the corners. It's like, this isn't going to work. And, and Turned up there and there's another girl standing on the end of the pool. We're looking at each other going, what the hell are they thinking here? And everyone was just swimming up and down the pool. It and was two, how many people were in the... They were allowing six in a double lane. It was just... I hate rules that you're just looking at going, that's just stupid. Really stupid. We live in stupid times, but don't we? Because yeah. there's a problem is you've got all these rules. Like at the gym, we've got all these rules and, and people are sticking to them. But Well, I organised a race at the weekend and we have to have less than 100 people and I, I respect the rules. Oh, so you can't do like, split starts? Oh, well, you can. But then you think, ski field, there's like 4,000 people up at the ski field. Oh, is there really? Yeah. And so I've got another race this weekend as well. Anyhow, fighting Because yeah, fight. we, we, we in our group at the moment on a Saturday, we had 250 people. And so we... we we're in a park, so we had one group way over there, different starts, mm. um, and we did it all right, and we started everyone off, but then someone in the public came up afterwards and said, oh, you know, your runners shouldn't be coming close to other people in the streets when they're running past them. Mm. So, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. tough times we live in. Yeah. It's tough times. <laughs> okay, John, let's say thank you to all our patrons. John, Tipping Point, Ennis. We've got Brian, Funny Guy, Fallon. And Michelle, the ATM Curvin, because she delivers like an ATM, but she's also an awesome triathlete mum. Oh, there we go. If you want to become a patron, go to www.imtalk.me. Go on the patron process and uh, join, uh, support the boys in what we do. Get some gifts and go and draw to win some cool prizes. Also, you can get the show emailed to you at the bottom of our front page. 
Uh, if you want some coaching, coachjohnnewsome.com for my podcast. Now, that interview I did today comes from my show. If you enjoy that kind of stuff, you can check out Go, go and listen to it on your show <laughs> yeah, as well. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I do a different intro. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, bevanjamesiles.com. Other cool content, age group of the week, cool websites, other stuff. I'm talking podcast at gmail.com. John, your goss. Well, my, my week, and I'm not moaning. I probably am sound like I'm moaning. Just it was just getting ready for this race at a different alert level. Uh, so that dominated my week last week. Tell you what, it was funny watching the start. We so we we were st- we started five athletes every five seconds. We spread them out okay. so they were socially distanced on the start line, and that's you know relatively commonplace at Ironman races. But everybody was two meter gaps everywhere. It was everyone was pretty obedient. It was good. But um, the guy who was helping me on the start line, he uh, downloaded this app, and so it gave you like a ski start, like a beep, like it would uh, okay. beep. Beep, beep, yep. beep, beep, when, you, when you're supposed to go. And the amount of people that could not hold it for that five <laughs> seconds, they were like inching forward and they jumped the gun by half a second. Uh, it was Handicap starts, because we do it for our runners. So we're in our epic camp, and sorry, epic half marathon. We, we do a 5K hill run, and then the second time it's a handicap start. So first time, you know, and then we base the run off the second one. The amount, the amount of negotiation people come up to me, <laughs> and what no. You know, it's not going to work. And they're like, oh, but Bevan, you don't understand. I'm really, oh, I'm a little bit injured. I don't care. You're yeah. gone when you're gone. Yeah. But oh, the amount of, like, you're like, they're like five-year-old kids. Mm. Oh, does your head in. And the other thing I'd say is the juniors, man, holy shit. It's too, too fast? When they take off, <laughs> they are full noise sprinting. <laughs> My son included. Had the boy go? He did good. Yep. Yep. He was good. He uh, called a few of the adult athletes out for not trying hard enough on the bike. There some conversations happening, and he said, yeah, they were talking on the bike. They clearly weren't going hard enough. <laughs> it's a good time. He's got another one this weekend. And that was my weekend, Bevan. That's what it. about you? That really was it. Uh, oh, and the other thing was, I've only got two badges to go on Zwift in terms oh, of route. And you got them all? Well, I've got all the route ones done. However, I haven't got the, you've got to go up Alp to Zwift 25 times. Don't know how many times I've been up there, but I've got a long way to go on that one. And then there's another one where you've got to give 100 ride-ons within a ride, which is like giving somebody a like or a high-five sort of thing. Oh, that's easy. Well, yeah. You should only give a ride-on if you really... I know, but you just, you just got to go and do one ride and just so get everyone... That's your... the thing. That's what I've got to do. I've just got to go through <laughs> clicking, go on the ride one day. So a hundred, how often ride-ons will you normally give someone a ride-on? Well, you can, you can press it and it'll give everybody you know a ride-on that's within your sort of group. So if you're on a group ride, if I organise a big group ride and there's 30 of us... One press, you get 30? Yep, but then you've got to go through and individually do the next bloody 78 or whatever. Uh. So I I think that's a hard challenge for me. It's tough. (laughs) Bevan, what have you been up to? I'm getting fit again, John. Mm. And do you know what happens when you get fit? You get tired. Mm. Because on Sunday... Because um, I can train properly now, so I'm back to everything's good. My my plantar fasciitis is gone. Tell you what, I got a sock. Hmm? Have you had one of those socks? No. Do you get plantar? No. I, I get it probably once a year, and I'm pretty good at managing. Normally, the ball roll works for me. Mm-hmm. This time it wasn't really working, so I got a, a sock, which is basically a high sock. Velcro pulls your toe back at night. Oh, uh, yep. You know, and so you can basically pull the toe back and you sleep with it. Now, it's pretty inconvenient. You don't have a great night's sleep, mm. and after a few hours, you kind of I end up pulling it off after a few hours. But that. Using heat and cold and rolling, mm-hmm. got over it and it's pretty much gone in a week, so that's really good. But, um, so I'll, I'll be able to train like a beast again. So I did a session at the gym on Sunday, big hard weight session, then did sit at like a 10 minute Tabata, you know, lying on the ground, dying, mm-hmm. and then came home and got in the garden. 
Mm, Big nice. day in the garden. Chopping yeah. down trees. Yeah. You know, probably spent five hours in the garden. Mm-hmm. That night, we got on the couch and we started watching Clickbait. Have you watched Clickbait? I have not. I've seen the reviews. But yeah, yeah, apparently it's pretty good. We're kind of... Well, I don't even know why I started watching it, John. <laughs> Push play. At the end of it, Joe wakes me up and I go, what happened? <laughs> so, so, and then last night, we watched it again and I taught some classes at the gym. Had a big day yesterday. Pretty much the same thing. So I think we've watched three episodes, about 50 minutes each. I've probably seen 30 minutes. Just got to get over that hump. That's the thing. When, you, when you're on your comeback, getting up the hump is quite difficult. Once you're on top of the hump, you know, then it all becomes a lot easier. Oh, I love it. I love I love it when you lie on the couch at night. You can, we'll have dinner, lie on the couch, you start watching TV and you're, you're dozing off and you're kind of half-heartedly watching something. But it's just because you're, you're screwed. Mm. I love that feeling. So that... Um, no, I, I actually, unfortunately, this is really sad, actually. I, I, I ran over a cat. Oh, goodness. Yeah. It was horrible, John. It was horrible. Oh. Yeah, I was driving down the road, going to the runners on Saturday morning, and I wasn't speeding. Yeah. And this cat just runs out in front of me, and you're like, oh, no, and you slam on your brakes. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, you hear the mm-th, the bump. Um, It kind of does a bit of a spin behind me, and then just shoots off, so couldn't even find it. Um, and so I, you, like, didn't, you didn't flatten it, you. No, no, I didn't flatten it. It must, it must have, yeah, because it kind of did like a few spins and just shot off. But I'm pretty sure it, mm. it wouldn't be in a good place. And I'm not an animal lover, John. I'm not someone who has that no, animal I'm, connection. I'm, I'm that with you, but yeah. oh my god, you feel horrible. Mm, yeah. Oh, you just feel hor- and horrible for the cat, but just like because for us, man, like the day our cat passes away, and our cat's probably about ten now, so it's still got to another five, six years, hopefully. It's going to be horrific in this house because it's just mm. Joe's biggest love. <laughs> I'm sick in my country <laughs> mile. Um, and oh, man, you just feel awful. So that was pretty horrible. So that's mm. kind of my sad news for the week. Mm. Yeah. So there you go. So other than that, let's finish on high notes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Russ. I hope you don't. Train hard. Train smart. Kia, Kia kaha. Kaha.